What's going on, everybody? Thank you so much for joining me here for this Wednesday edition of Fantasy MLB Today. This is a Sports Ethos presentation, and I'm your host, Joe Orico. You can find me on Twitter at JoeOrico99 and also at EthosFantasyBB. Now, we are also adding people into the free side of our Discord. That is our backup plan here in case Twitter does crash, the site goes down momentarily, whatever happens. Twitter, Our Discord would be our Twitter backup plan where all of our links for podcasts and articles and different notes would be posted. So send me a message at JoeOrico99, and we will get you added up in there as soon as we can. Now, today we are going to mix things up, and we're going to completely remove fantasy from the equation. And I know some of you might just turn the show off at that point, but there's truly not enough fantasy stuff, strictly fantasy, to go through every single day of the offseason. Maybe you could stretch it if you wanted to talk about literally every single player in the player pool in depth. Maybe you could. But we're going to switch it up a little bit for today's show and probably for tomorrow's show as well. Definitely for tomorrow's show as well. Uh, We're going to be talking about the Hall of Fame and the Hall of Fame ballot that was released on Monday. I believe it came out um, early Monday morning, mid-Monday. Anyway, it came out on Monday. We're going to be going through the names that are on it for the first time. We'll spend tomorrow likely going through some of the guys who are repeat offenders on the ballot. Your Scott Rollins, your Todd Helton's, Billy Wagner's, uh, A-Rod, those kind of names. We're going to talk about them tomorrow. But today we're going to be looking at guys who are getting their first chance. And I think the guy who probably is most likely to get in from this group is going to be Carlos Beltran. We're going to talk about all the guys today, uh, varying degrees of depth. Some of them we need to go into a little bit more detail. Uh, Bronson Arroyo is on the ballot. So I don't think we need to get too in-depth about why Bronson Arroyo is not going to be on the ballot next year, why he won't be a Hall of Famer. Certain players will spend a little bit more time on. And Carlos Beltran is one of those guys because he is – Very polarizing for me personally. I grew up really admiring him. When I first started paying attention to baseball in the early 2000s, he was really, really excellent. And one of the first video games that I had, I think it was the 2005, um, I don't even think, it might have been 2K Baseball. I'm not even sure which one it was at that point because I don't think it was the show. I think it was was 2K. And I used to play with those New York Mets teams from the 2005 team, 2006 team, where we're talking... You know, Carlos Delgado, David Wright, Jose Reyes, Beltran, they were really good. They had Pedro Martinez on those teams as well. They were a lot of fun to play with, and that's really was kind of why I liked Carlos Beltran a lot growing up. He had a fast, powerful guy in those video games. And then, of course, that translated to liking him in real-life baseball as well. I used to play a ton of sports video games, not so much anymore. But baseball was always what I went to. Baseball and Madden. I I love Madden as well. I don't know if it's the strategy, calling the plays, throwing the pitches in there, whatever it is. Anyway, you guys don't care about that. Carlos Beltran. The dude has 435 home runs in his career. He has 312 stolen bases. He's a 279 career hitter with a 350 on base percentage and an 837 OPS. Most people, this would be pretty automatic for the Hall of Fame. Uh, He played 2,500 games over 20 years, tons of accolades. He was Rookie of the Year. He was a nine-time All-Star. One of his accolades is the problem, though. He was a World Series champion in 2017, and by a lot of accounts, he was the guy who came up or at least was one of the masterminds behind the whole sign-stealing scandal. That's not good. People, I mean, we just talked about a couple names there on the ballot from previous years. You know, I mean, A-Rod in particular, Manny Ramirez. These guys are tainted for different reasons. But once you're tainted in the eyes of the voters, you're probably toast. And I know this is going to be his first year. We have really no idea what's going to happen. But I think they're probably not going to be voting for him. I mean, there will be some people who vote for him. But a lot of people are going to say he's a cheater. And that's, that's all that there is, you know. 
that's been the line for a lot of people. If you cheat, if you disgrace the game in any way, then you're not going to the Hall of Fame. Yes, people snuck in. Uh, some people snuck into the Hall of Fame. I'm trying to think of an example. Um, I, I can't even think of one off the top of my head. There are some people who use steroids who did end up getting into the Hall of Fame. Um, is Jeff Bagwell in the Hall of Fame? Yeah, Jeff Bagwell's in the Hall of Fame. I think that he, I think that he was one of the steroid guys, and he got in. Uh, maybe there was only speculation with him, and there was never actually confirmed uh, use. But they they've let some guys in who maybe slipped through the cracks a little bit, and I think maybe Beltron does get in eventually. But it's going to take him a while. They're going to make him wait oh, at least, you know, five, seven, ten years, whatever it is. And maybe there's some kind of penance in there on the eyes of the voters. Like, you'll get in, but we're going to make you wait for it. And just statistically speaking, Beltron should be in. He had some seasons where his numbers were crazy. Like, he had a 38 homer, 42 steal season. Uh, he had 29 and 35, 41 and 18, 33 and 23. If we're going back to fantasy for a second, he was a fantasy monster. I mean, I played fantasy at the end of Beltron's career. I think my first year playing was 2017. I think it was 2017. Uh, but, I mean, I, I didn't really get a chance to use him just because of my age when he was in his prime. But we're talking about a high-level first-round fantasy player, five-category stud. I, I like Carlos Beltran still, and I think that he probably should get in eventually, but I think it's going to take him some time. So if I had to make a guess about like vote percentage this year, I'd say he's probably going to be around, you know, what was A-Rod in his first ballot, 34%. I think Beltran would probably be like 20 to 25% maybe. That's probably where I would uh, imagine that he's, he's going to go right now. Uh, Jared Weaver's the next guy we'll talk about here. He does not have much of a case. He is on the ballot for the first time. I think that he had a very good career. And, you know, this is the problem, I think, with a lot of the guys on the ballot here. They're very good players. They're not great players. There are a couple of great players, but for the most part, we're talking about really, really good players. Um, 150 wins is good, but a 363 ERA... You know, no major accolades. He was an all-star three times. Uh, he was second in Cy Young voting in 2011, third in 2012. There's just not enough there, right? I mean, the 150 wins thing is kind of interesting, exactly 150, because back in the day, it was there were certain benchmarks for getting into the Hall of Fame. 300 wins, 500 homers, 3,000 hits, certain things like that, where we may never see guys hit those heights again. Uh, 3,000 hits is still something that will happen. 300 wins, if we never saw it again, I wouldn't be surprised. And 500 home runs, yeah, it's going to happen here and there. Uh, but it's very, very rare. It can't be the standard anymore. But that being said, of course, Weaver's still not going to be going to the Hall of Fame. He shouldn't be going to the Hall of Fame. But the numbers have definitely changed, like even from when I was a kid, thinking about what is a Hall of Famer. Uh, it might not be exactly what you are imagining a Hall of Famer is. They're not all going to be... You know, 500 homers, and they batted 295 for their career, and they won three World Series. And, like, the, you know, we think in our head of, like, the elite of the of the elite. And that's what generally it should be. Um, but I think maybe the bar is going to be lowered a little bit just because of the era that we play in or that we <laughs> that we observe in. Not that I'm playing any, any professional baseball anytime soon. I think that they might, you know, not that Jared Weaver would ever be a guy to get in, but there might be like um, a Mark Burley, you know, maybe Mark Burley is somebody who, and I think he probably should get in. We'll talk about him more tomorrow, but more than 200 wins. He threw 200 innings every year, four gold gloves. He won a world series. He threw a perfect game. Like Mark Burley for me probably should be in the hall of fame, even though he doesn't meet those traditional benchmarks for wins. I don't think he had that many strikeouts. He had 1800 career strikeouts, you know, 
not meeting those big numbers, and I don't want to get into Mark Burley too much. It'll be for tomorrow. But I think we'll generally start to see the line get moved back uh, a little bit. And the next guy we'll talk about, maybe a little bit closer than Weaver, it's John Lackey. He had 188 wins. He won an ERA title. He had a 392 ERA in his career. And he won three World Series. Uh, he won one with the Angels. He won one with the Red Sox. And he won one with the Cubs. He's not getting in. Again, another guy who's not getting in, and that's going to be the story for most of these dudes today. They're, they don't really have a chance. But I think generally, as I'm looking at these guys, I'm thinking... There's, well, there's two ways they can go about it, right? They can do what I just said. Maybe they, they move the line a little bit of, okay, he had 200 wins, but he's going to the Hall of Fame. You know, look at Roy Halladay. I mean, he died tragically. Maybe that impacted him getting into the Hall of Fame a little bit, but he had like 200 wins, 203 wins or something like that. Historically, that's probably not going to do it. Uh, the ERA was good for Halladay, but it wasn't like sub three or anything like that. Uh, I think they have a choice, really, of – are they going to move the line back so it's a little bit easier to get in, or are they going to keep it in that same kind of elite grouping where it's very, very hard to get in? Yeah, Halliday's career ERA, 3.38. Very, very, very good, but not, you know, when you're thinking of some guys in the Hall of Fame, you know, 2.2, 2.4, 2.5 ERA. Um, Lackey's not getting in there, and I know I'm kind of just, just going through my thought process with you guys. I'm just trying to figure out, what makes sense for them to do here? Is it going to be letting guys into the Hall of Fame who consistently, you know, 200 win guys? Is that going to be the new mark? Is it going to be 400 home runs, 350? Um, I'm, I'm not sure what the right course of action is here because there might be a point where we're saying, okay, not the right guys are not getting into the Hall of Fame. Um, I, I mean, Manny Ramirez, A-Rod, they probably should be. I know there's a lot of, of nonsense that goes along with them. But we're going to maybe start looking at what's going to be some weird Hall of Fame classes as we as we go through the years and we don't see the kind of numbers that get put up uh, that we might think should be Hall of Fame numbers. If you look at last year's class, David Ortiz and then a bunch of older guys the year before, uh, there was no 2021 class. 2020, there was Jeter and Larry Walker. Um, Harold Baines got into the Hall of Fame somehow. Um, Mike Mussina, yeah, I mean, but again, like he had 270 wins, which is, you know, probably did a, a lot of good there. Um, but a 3.368, let's call it a 3.7 career ERA, and Mike Mussina got in the Hall of Fame. It's really weird uh, on a case-by-case basis to examine the cases of these guys because some of them probably look like they should be getting in. And let's talk about someone who I think probably should be getting in here, and I don't think he will. Uh, Francisco Rodriguez, and I do apologize for the for the mumbo jumbo mentally there. Uh, I'm just kind of this is making me curious as I'm you know get the sheet in front of me here. But then as you start to talk, you start to realize like the Hall of Fame is weird. The Hall of Fame is strange. There are certain lines that are better than other lines that aren't in, and there's no cheating involved with certain guys who are not in, and they're just they're just still not in. There there are there are weird ones. There are certainly weird ones. Dick Allen, I know Carlos Marcano likes to talk about that one a lot. Dick Allen should be in the Hall of Fame. He should be if you look at his numbers. Uh there's no reason why there's no steroid stuff with him there. I don't know. I don't know why Harold Baines is in the Hall of Fame over him. But let's talk about this guy here. Francisco Rodriguez, aka K-Rod. He was somebody who was a lot of fun to watch and I believe he still has the all-time single season save record from 2008. He saved 62 games. Crazy stuff. Career ERA, 286. Really good there. Uh, how many saves does he have? 437. Closers are tricky. And there's another closer who's on the ballot here. 
um, called Billy Wagner, and then there's Houston Street. Billy Wagner's been on it for a couple of years, but Houston Street's the other first-time closer here. He has 324 saves, a 295 ERA. I don't think he's probably going to get in. Uh, he was a rookie of the year, two-time All-Star. I think that if they're going to let a closer in, it'll be K-Rod, and I don't think it'll be on the first go. I think that the guy like him, where he's more of a specialty People don't really view them as being that valuable in an all-time context for whatever reason. Uh, Trevor Hoffman's in the Hall of Fame. Rivera's in the Hall of Fame. You know, Dennis Eckersley and blah, blah, blah. But there's not that many elite relievers. Like, you know, you look at the elite batters of an era, you're going to see, you know, a good portion of them go to a, go to the Hall of Fame. Maybe not a large amount, but, you know, 10 15% of the elite batters in a given era, roughly. That's off the top of my head. Something like that. We'll go to the Hall of Fame. But when you're talking about elite closers, there's almost none. When you look at Francisco Rodriguez, though, he should be somebody that we are uh, we are including in the Hall of Fame. I think he had 40 saves in five different years. Those 62 saves are incredible. The 224 ERA that season, multiple years, many years, with an ERA below two. He had 182, 173, 186, 109. Uh, he, is, he is one of the best closers of all time. And I think that we should be rewarding that kind of thing, not saying, uh, you know, his career war is 24 points, something like that's just such a tired argument for me. It doesn't, it, it misses out on so much, on so much stuff. Like when we look back at Otani's career, are we going to say, oh, the war, you know, he, he didn't play the field and he was defensively weighed down and we can't, we can't, I mean, it's not going to be with Otani, that kind of argument. He's going to the Hall of Fame. He should go to the Hall of Fame the day he retires. But are we going to have war-based arguments for Hall? I've seen a lot of that talk online of, like the war is just not there. He just didn't accumulate enough war in his career. It's like, well, that's not, that's not really what we should be looking at here. I think for, for this kind of thing, I mean, yes, advanced stats are important. But when you're looking at certain guys for the Hall of Fame, <clears throat> anybody for the Hall of Fame, are we going to say, oh, his BABIP was a little high. Uh, you know, the FIP was a little bit high for the career there, and the expected FIP was, yeah, you know, I don't know if he should be a Hall of Famer. No, you just got to look at the actual numbers, what they actually did. And the 286 ERA with 437 wins for him. He was he could have been uh, the Cy Young winner in 2008. I'm actually curious, trying to think back who won it in the American League in 08. It was Cliff Lee. I'd forgotten about Cliff Lee. I, for some reason in my head, I thought he won it in the National League. But no, he won it with Cleveland. And then it was Halliday second, and Francisco Rodriguez came in third that year. Yeah, I mean, it's not no problem giving it to, to Cliff Lee, I guess, in the retrospect. But 62 saves is like Mariano Rivera that year had 39, just to put it in perspective. Uh, crazy career for K-Rod, up and down a little bit in the, you know, in his early 30s there. He bounced around from the Mets, and then he went to Milwaukee and Baltimore, and back to Milwaukee and Detroit. And maybe it wasn't the most, you know, fairy tale kind of story. Maybe if he stayed the whole career in Los Angeles, he would be someone that you look at and say, okay, uh, maybe you were a little more inclined to put him in there because it's a nicer story. And I think that that does play a factor when players bounce around a ton of teams versus stick with one team or maybe two teams for their whole career. People tend to devalue them in their heads because nobody values this guy. They don't want him on their team. Why should we give him any valuation? It doesn't make sense with a guy like K-Rod. His years with the Angels specifically were just ridiculous. But he had saves. He had 95 saves as a Brewer, 83 as a Met, 51 as a Tiger. He had success wherever he went. Later years were not great to him. Not, I mean, they weren't even that bad. It was really his last year where he had a 7.82 ERA. It ballooned the career number a little bit. But he's he is one of the best closers of all time, and I'd have no problem seeing him get in. I don't think he will, but I wouldn't have any problem seeing it. 
Jacoby Ellsbury, he is also on the ballot for the first time. Again, no chance. There's no snowball's chance in hell of him getting into the Hall of Fame. He had a couple of really great years at the beginning of his career, and he very nearly won the MVP in 2011. And you could argue maybe he should have. It went to Justin Verlander. That's, that's, a, that's a tricky one if you look at the stats. Jose Batista also had a decent case, and so did Miguel Cabrera that year. It was a really stacked era uh, in the American League there in mid or early 2010s, I guess, with Cabrera and Trout and everybody else. But Ellsbury, that season, had 32 homers, 39 stolen bases, and a 321 batting average. That's the only year where he was, well, I guess he did, he was 15th on the MVP ballot a couple of years later. But that was really the only year where he put together a full, proper, great season. Uh, 158 games that year was the most he played. And he did play 148, 145 here and there. It was the only season where he hit over 16 home runs. Only year over 100 RBIs. And his only year, actually, no, that's not true. He had 301 one year. It was one of two years where he was over 300. For the career... He didn't really play long enough for him to warrant consideration. It's surprising to me that he even got onto the ballot. I'm not sure what the what the cut line is, honestly, for who goes on the ballot, who doesn't. Uh, but 104 career homers, 284 average, 343 stolen bases is very impressive considering he played in 1,200 games. That's really good. But it's not going to be enough to do it for him. Uh, not too much time needs to be spent on Jacoby Ellsbury. He looked, when he was first coming into the bigs, like he was going to be just a complete speed demon. And he's still very fast. That was kind of his main attribute. But, you know, 50 stolen bases in his first full year. And then 70. He did hit 50 in another year. But the speed never really was there again for him. Like it was in those early seasons. 120 steals over his first two full seasons. Very good player. Not a great player, and he, he should not be in the Hall of Fame as far as I see it. Matt Kane is the next guy we're going to talk about here. Now, he has the whole one-team thing going for him. 13 years with the Giants. He threw a perfect game, which definitely is important. He won two World Series. He was on the team when they won the third one, but he wasn't a part of the active playoff roster. I don't know if he actually got a third ring out of that, but officially, technically, two World Series, three All-Star games. He was on the Cy Young ballot three times, and he finished in 2012, he finished sixth on the Cy Young ballot. Also fifth in Rookie of the Year voting back in 06. No chance. There's just no chance. I mean, something that people will look at, and they probably shouldn't, is he has a losing record. He's 104 and 118. That's not going to help. 368 ERA. We already established earlier that that should be able to do it for you if that's the ERA Matt Kane or not Matt Kane. Mike Mussina had a 368 ERA, but there's obviously a lot more factors that go into it. Uh, 1,600 strikeouts for him in more than 2,000 innings. That's not going to play well with voters. They like dominance. They like dominant pitchers. And, yes, a perfect game, World Series. He had his his day in the sun of dominance. But, again, uh, not really much need to get too deep into Matt Cain here. A lot of these guys are pretty cleared nose. The only ones who I think have legit chances are Beltron and K-Rod. Other than that, I really don't think so. I'd like to see Houston Street stay on the ballot for a couple of years because he really was a, a really, a really quality reliever. Like he was never, and again, he wasn't great, but he was one of the better closers in baseball for like 10 whole years. So I, I don't think he should get in. I think he should stay on the ballot for a couple of years. It, it's, a, it's tricky looking at this class and trying to figure out who's going to get in. I mean, we're going to talk tomorrow about guys who have already been on the ballot for a couple of years, and some of them are more likely. I think Scott Rowland is the most likely to get in this year. But it's not 
not a pretty looking ballot as we go down here. Specifically, some of these first timers. Johnny Peralta is on the ballot. He hit 202 home runs in his career, batted 267. No, like that. I don't even know how he got on the ballot, really. Andre Ethier. I didn't realize he'd even been retired that long enough to be on the ballot, but his last year was 2017. It was a long time ago now. Again, really good player. 285 career hitter, 160 home runs. He's just not somebody where you can even come close to considering him. I doubt that any single person would even vote for him. Maybe you'd get a, an individual vote from an L.A. writer, a couple L.A. writers. I really doubt it. 12 years with the same team. Sure, that'll bode well for you. Last two years of those were really injury prone, so you could argue 10 years, really, 10 full years, and that's just not going to be enough to do it for a guy who has no major... Well, that's not true. He has a gold glove and a silver slugger, but we're not talking about a guy who was really ever considered one of the best players in the league. There might have been a short stretch where, you know, late 2000s, uh, early 2010s, he was really highly regarded, but he was... I don't know. I'm not very big on, on Ethier's uh, Hall of Fame case. I, I did misspeak there. A silver Slugger and a Gold Glove, those are, those are major awards. Um, but it, it's not going to be enough to get you into, into Cooperstown, I don't think. Mike Napoli, he is another guy on the ballot here. Again, what are we doing? There's no chance. Like I, I, I think that they would be better off in future years putting fewer names on the ballot, You know, just crowding it up for everybody else. It doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Uh, Napoli had 267 homers. He batted 246 for his career. He was a good power hitter. He was an all-star one time. He was a good power hitter. And that's it. There's there's not a lot of depth you can get into with Mike Napoli. He did win a World Series with the Red Sox in 2013. And, yeah, I mean, it's Mike Napoli. He's not a Hall of Famer. I, I can't even, like, you know, just looking at this list, truly, like, they can't put so many people on the ballot every year. And I, I don't know exactly what goes into it, what puts you on the ballot, what keeps you off of it. But this is, it's stupid. You know, J.J. Hardy's on the ballot. 188 career home runs. He batted 256. Now he had three gold gloves. He won a silver slugger. He was an all-star one time with Milwaukee. Kind of surprised. Or no, sorry, he was an all-star twice. Once with Milwaukee and once with Baltimore. I was going to say I was surprised he wasn't with Baltimore, but he was that one time. Very good, powerful shortstop who you'd want to have on your team, a 20-25 home run guy. But at the same time, he was not great. Like, he had five years with 20 home runs spread out between 2007 and 2013. He hit 30 one time. The average was just all right, 256. He didn't steal. Defensively, very good, and maybe some people will, will remember his good defense in the gold gloves and try and sneak them onto their ballot somehow. I don't know. I'm, I'm trying to find reasons for these guys at this point because it really makes no sense. Jason Wirth, another dude, 229, or 229 career homers, a 267 career batting average. He had a couple of really good years, but, I mean, damn. Like, there's just – it's a bad ballot this year. It's a really bad group of first-timers. Bronson Arroyo is the last one, or I guess R.A. Dickey as well. Bronson Arroyo and R.A. Dickey are the last two here. And I don't know what the hell we're talking about. Dickey, you can kind of understand it. He won a Cy Young. He had a gold glove. He was an all-star. But it was really just that one Cy Young year where he was really excellent, truly dominant. One of those just out of you know fairy tale seasons where he had 20 wins, a 273 ERA. Uh, he was striking guys out as a knuckleballer, which is not something that he ever did. But that year, he averaged a strikeout per inning. 
I'll still never really get over my Blue Jays trading, you know, everything for him. A uh, bunch of prospects. It was Syndergaard. It was Travis Darno. Oh, man. It's just so stupid looking at this. Like, why? why I just can't understand it. I'm flabbergasted, honestly. Like, looking at these names before we started, I'm just thinking, yeah, there's a couple of guys you can make a case for, but I try and make the case for them, and it's like, yeah. Beltron, you can make a case for, and K-Rod, you can make a legitimate case for. But everybody else here, they feel like imposters. They feel like it, there's no chance. Like I don't. I, it feels wrong that they were even included, and I feel like maybe some of them will think, shit, I might be a Hall of Famer, maybe I'll get in. It's There's no chance. Um, there is there's just no chance. I think Beltron, just to conclude one last time, Beltron probably should be in, but I don't think that he will get in just because of the cheating stuff and K Rod, Francisco Rodriguez. They're probably going to make him wait a couple of years just because he's a closer, he's a reliever, and they they typically don't value relievers very highly. So I think that those two will eventually probably get in this year. Though there is not a single name we talked about today who is going to be on the ballot this year. I would bet anything, literally anything. I'd bet I'd bet my home, I'd bet my car, I'd bet my pets. I would bet everything. Uh, that it's not going to happen. So, guys, uh, we will pick this up again tomorrow. I know this is probably not the most interesting show for you guys who tune in for fantasy. But like I said at the beginning, I need to mix it up a little bit. Constant fantasy when we're in our downturn for baseball. Mix in some real content, and hopefully we'll have some more, like, crazy signings, trades, and stuff that go on in the next week or so. I was thinking today, uh, when we were, you, you know, yesterday after I finished the show, just planning it out, I was thinking last Wednesday was Teoscar getting traded. Maybe this Wednesday we'll see another flurry and I can just do a, a new show, you know, take some questions from Twitter or whatever. Not really enough to go over today in that regard. So I think tomorrow, what we're, our plan right now for the rest of the week, we'll go over the rest of the names here tomorrow, the guys who have been on the ballot already and stayed on the ballot because those guys are a little bit more interesting to talk about. Those are the dudes who have a better chance of getting in. And then maybe Friday uh, we'll cross our fingers, we'll hope for some news, and then we'll just kind of recap the last week worth of signings and trades. Hunter Renfro got traded. Uh, we can talk about that. We can talk about some different rumors and different things. Aaron Judge being seen in San Francisco, and it was a whole whole to-do because he was planted down in the city, which I believe he has tons of family there. Who knows why he's really there. But we'll talk about all those different things on Friday. Until then, you guys can reach me over on Twitter, at JoeOrico99, at EthosFantasyBB, and, of course, in our Discord, if you guys want to get joined up in there, send me a message at the JoeOrico account, and I'll get you guys a login code and or link. I'm not even sure, actually. I don't, I don't think there's a code. I think it's just a link you got to click to accept. But we'll get you one of those if you want to join or, or stay in our community, whichever one. Happy to have you. Happy to continue having you in case Twitter does go down. Uh, please do leave a review on the pod. I know I've been annoying about that, but that is something that really helps us out here, trying to grow the show up and have more viewers tuning in as we head into our off-season, or not head into our off-season, but continue with our off-season content and really start to kick it into gear. Uh, so go check out sportsethos.com and all of our baseball stuff. Steven Bagel just released a great article uh, going through the uh, National League East, talking about different uh, projected rosters heading into next season, opening day projected rosters with write-ups down to the last man in the bullpen. It was a great piece that you guys should check out. But, guys, enough rambling for me. Until tomorrow, everybody, have a great night and take care. Cheers. Cheers.